What's good, everybody? You're listening to Our Future, Looking Beyond with Michael Zakhan, the business podcast for young people. My next guest, Shadi Mir, is going to transform healthcare forever. He's CEO of Pedestrian, a cutting-edge robotic startup that has built an autonomous robot for hospitals that transports drugs through medical complexes and through hospital corridors. I couldn't be more excited to bring his vision of the future here for you guys today. You are the CEO of Pedestrian, which is an autonomous vehicles company, and I think that's the correct way to classify it. Where'd you come up with the name Pedestrian? Obviously, there's some kind of tie in there. Yeah, we, you know, the whole company has actually started where we wanted to have robots to be basically be democratized, you know, to, so you wouldn't be ubiquitous anywhere you find them. Uh, so we wanted them to be treated like pedestrians. So we switched the uh, the P ah. with the, the P, and uh, that's how we started. Gotcha. So yeah. it would be correct as I said, to classify you as an autonomous vehicles company. Yeah, as a matter of fact, that's how we started. Initially in 2017, we started the company focusing on urban delivery. But then at some point, we pivoted a little bit more for indoor and outdoor, focusing on campus settings like hospitals, colleges, and so forth. The only robots I think we have indoors now are like those Roombas, which will clean your floor. Uh, right. How is how is your robot going to be interacting with these indoor spaces? The, the biggest challenge for robots, especially indoor, it's actually it's a little bit different than outdoor sidewalks or if you think about autonomous cars uh, on the road. Uh, indoor robots have to deal with people, and they're very unpredictable. Uh, they're you know they they don't have uh, stoplights, they don't have any. Uh, they're very distracted most of the time. So robots have to really anticipate uh, what, pe- what, what how people are going to behave, especially in crowds. Uh, and sometimes that's in close proximity to uh, to uh, uh, to somebody that's walking by or coming from a corner. Definitely challenging. Uh, the nice thing about it, though, is that we're moving at a slow speed. Uh, you know, it, we had a different challenge when we used to work on autonomous cars, where you're moving at 70 miles per hour. Uh, the software, the sensors, you know, had a hard time reacting very fast if somebody, you know, stopped or, or had, uh, uh, God forbid, an accident. In indoor settings, you have less of a risk, uh, but nonetheless, uh, the the crowds, the, the people makes it a very challenging problem to solve as well. You know, in 2016, the headlines were laughable. It was like, right. you, will be a, you will be a permanent backseat driver by 2020. Well, right. it's 2020 now and we don't have our <clears throat> autonomous cars and those challenges, like you mentioned, are what have gotten in the way. So what kind of use cases are there for these in, for an indoor robot? We saw kind of a future where we shouldn't really restrict robot to be just indoor or just outdoor, especially kind of in an urban setting, in a campus setting. So if you think about uh, most hospitals that you see out there, they're really kind of a large campus settings, multiple buildings. It's almost like a city within a city. So that that's how we started really the, the focus. But what we found that it was really challenging from a business point of view and from a technical point of view to do urban uh, delivery. Uh, and then we start seeing quite a bit of pull uh, from the first customers that we were trying trialing the the robots at, which was actually hospitals and elder care. Uh, and when we saw that pull, okay, you know, when the customer leads you into a problem, that means there's something there. And the more we focused on that, the more we saw the huge need and the huge challenge that these people have, especially in hospitals. I mean, the more we kind of dealt um, into it, and for them, it's a really a huge challenge. Um, I'll take hospitals for, for uh, as, as a really great example for indoor um, 
application, almost 30% of the time that nurses spend is really on mundane, you know, delivery issues that have nothing to do with patient care. And so you're paying somebody, you know, $60 an hour to kind of transfer a juice or, or, you know, or something or even linen from one place to the other, which is really something that they don't even want to do. And they spend quite a bit of overtime just kind of catching up to those kind of mundane tasks. This is just kind of a small example and then if you start talking about uh, not only pharmaceutical delivery, linen delivery, uh, the, the problems start kind of getting bigger and bigger. Robots can really uh, take that task on very easily and can fill in a really an, an important gap. So you've pivoted this business model to kind of work with hospitals, but I'm sure that you've done this testing before coronavirus happened. How does right. it feel now to be working on an innovative startup? that's going to affect patient outcomes one day when we're in the midst of a pandemic where we really see human health as being something maybe we took for granted in the past. As, as an entrepreneur, you kind of try to really do a lot of futuring, understanding what the future, not uh, you know two years, but three years, five years. And we saw that coming. Uh, but the issue is that you know it, it's hard to change kind of the mindset as you speak the executive um, in the hospital that manages the hospital, these guys are fighting fires. They're kind of focused on the near term. It's hard for them to see that future. But with COVID-19, the mindset totally changed and, and pivoted because now the people understand it's not just about efficiency. This is becomes really a necessary service. Um, you know, the, the for instance, the, the robot that we're making, we actually are making uh, quite a bit of changes right now to our robots uh, based on the experience that we have with COVID-19 to make it totally contactless. So you don't even have to touch the robot, um, you know, putting UV lighting disinfection inside the compartment. Uh, having a robot that this, this is actually really uh, for us, we're one of the first robots in the world to have um, uh, an electronics uh, uh, enclosure, which does not rely, rely on fans, for instance. So as you understand, the brain of this is really heavy on the electronics, and so it generates a lot of heat. So you have to cool it down. Just like uh, our cool computers. Exactly. It is like the computer. But if you look at the recent reports uh, from China, there's a lot of infection that's being uh, actually transmitted uh, through air conditioning, through um, just the air circulation. So you can't introduce... Yeah, exactly. I mean, but I mean, this is kind of known, but it was not like a high risk unless you're in in a in a part of the hospital which treats infectious disease, which is usually kind of almost like a clean room. You're not allowed to be there. Uh, but now things have really dramatically shifted. Hospitals are these fast-paced environments where you know uh, trauma and, and uh, you know a life or death situation can present itself rapidly. Sometimes mm-hmm. people are being wheeled into the hospital at tremendous physical speeds. Are, are you thinking about that? Your robot will need to respond to stimulus among, in, the, in the hospital and that there's people who need to move through hallways very quickly and might end up getting in the way of your robot? We actually installed a smart voice assistant on the robot. So similar to Amazon Alexa. But the reason we did that, it was based on a quite a bit of study. We, we took about a year to actually really understand the user experience, the pain point, and how this thing yeah. is going to navigate. Uh, so the, the the robot is autonomous by itself. It doesn't need to connect to the cloud or anything like that. It, it basically behaves um, uh, in a smart way on itself. A part of that is actually having a 
voice. So as the robot kind of moves from one uh, place to the other, it's actually saying what it's going to do. And if it encounter you, if you ask a question, it will actually answer. Uh, part of that is really to, to socialize the robot. The other part is really to navigate a little bit more efficiently by talking to people to, do, to give it a little bit of room to move. Now, going back to your question, one of the things that you do encounter is exactly the scenario that you mentioned. Let's say you have a code blue or there are certain codes that the hospital goes through uh, that you really need to clear the way and be out of the out of the out of the uh, way to to allow let's say a stretcher or whatever is, is happening uh, so that's why the the voice assistant it becomes very crucial so when it hears something in the hospital when it it's it's actually trained to understand that and does go out of the way and basically go to a corner so it does not really impede whoever is uh, is is an emergency or trying to go through the corridor so what's the business model slash ownership model for capital of this complexity and uh, expense? Are you yep. uh, leasing these machines? Will you in the future lease these machines out to the hospitals uh, or will they buy them uh, you know, up front uh, or, or will they license some, some part of them? How, how is the sales model working? There are some uh, uh, companies that actually do leasing model and others just outright sell you the robot and with the service contract. Uh, so we have both, and we're kind of testing both because we have to really be um, open to what our customer wants. So some customers would prefer to have uh, a capital cost on their books, so they would like to buy the robot. Um, it's better for them uh, financially. Others don't really want to deal with it. They just want to lease it. So we have that model as well. You can add actually a service on top of that to generate analytics reports. Uh, and that would be additional costs that, uh, that generate extra revenue. You know, we all have something called algorithm, algorithmic bias where we don't trust uh, you know, a computer to be our friend. I mean, look what happened in 2001, A Space Odyssey. So are you are you planning on anthropomorphizing uh, this robot? Because I read a cool research paper about, you know, how, you know, putting eyes and like ears on robots can make humans feel a little bit more connected to them. And, you know, in an elderly care setting, maybe that's a great way to kind of really build this robot into the fabric of life there. Uh, a lot of companies are doing that kind of the smiley face, the friendly face, but then you have a, you know, really a scary robotic arm <laughs> extending from one side. Um, I think people are, are smarter than we give them credit for if it's elderly or, uh, or for us, uh, you know, they, they recognize this is a machine. Our approach is really to be a little bit more utility. We want you to kind of look at the robot as you would look at a cart, as you would look at a piece of machinery, like an MRI, uh, not necessarily something that you have to be friendly with. You have to. Uh, so we're taking a little bit of a different tack. It's almost kind of in between. We're, we're not trying to be kind of scary. We're not trying to be anthropomorphic kind of design, like too too sketchy or too um, you know uh, um, yeah, I don't know what's the, what's the word, but uh, kind of a childlike kind of design. We're trying to be really more kind of a utility aspect, kind of uh, on the exterior design at least. So. You're working in an environment that is like, I would say it is the most li uh, liability centric business environment in the world. And that's healthcare because mm. you're dealing with people's lives here. So, you know, a nurse deliver is, is trying to deliver a drug. What happens when, if it goes to the wrong room? Are you depending on, uh, you know, the nurses checking, you know, at, at the end point? I, I would assume so. With the robots, you actually have a much better way 
of documenting who puts the delivery in, who took delivery of it. But at the same time, we don't really want to take on the risk. Uh, you know, so we're kind of in the middleman, but we're not really involved with, uh, you know, who, who's actually taking it, but we're documenting it. So if a nurse puts in the drug and another nurse takes it, we're actually documenting that, you know. So so for us, we're trying to kind of minimize that, that risk for the hospital. And honestly, that's a little bit better for them. And they like that kind of auditing trail. What advice would you have to college students who want to engage with a kind of distant future like you are and they want to do? entrepreneurship and they want to build things. We actually hire interns uh, in in our startups and they have been uh, excellent, uh, especially uh, interns that have done robotic, some kind of robotic experience. Um, You know, so we we really, if you're interested in that area, you should focus on startups. Uh, A lot of times, you know, companies, so I I spend a very long time in, in the corporate world uh, we don't tend to do a lot of advanced R&D as much as startups do. I would encourage any college students to take a lot of risk early in their career than instead of waiting till later. And some of that risk, you really take an internship with uh, startups, with things that might not be really uh, a guaranteed job, but something that they really are passionate about or they think they really are interested in exploring. Ladies and gents, that was Shadi Mir, CEO of Pedestrian. He's bringing the future to us with robots. Just want to make one more note before we go. The COVID-19 Campus Challenge is live. It's where Michigan students can pitch ideas to administrators about how we can go back to school in a way that protects health and protects us against the pandemic. And the good ideas actually get to be worked on with the administration. Be a part of the mission. Have your voice heard. Thank you for listening to Our Future. See you on Monday. Stay frosty. Have a great weekend.